awesome. Thank you, guys. Do you guys want to come on down? Kara and Nancy. Okay. Um, before uh, Delena comes up with the community notes, I get to do the fun community note this morning. Um, as you all know, we've been uh, praying about uh, hiring our next worship pastor as Nancy Hendrickson goes off to uh, expand the kingdom. I didn't really plan to say it that way. <laughs> and uh, uh, God has led us um, to, I think God has chosen Kara Jones to replace her as worship pastor. You can clap. Woo! <laughs> So we wanted to let uh, you all know that this morning. That's uh, awesome for us in, in God's perfect timing. Uh, Nancy's last Sunday will be the end of May. Kara begins beginning of May, so they'll get to do a, at least a month-long uh, transition, which is good for everyone. And I'm just, uh, I'm personally really excited. I'm being... We're getting on there. Hello. 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 Good morning. Good morning, church. Welcome, welcome. So glad to see you all here. What a privilege. Well, I can't, I can't talk. I don't spoke often, but I do the best I was. All right. You can steal that. I say it way too much for those who are around me. So my name is Ian Ray, and I serve here as the youth pastor and the small groups pastor. Uh, and I, as we were worshiping, I just felt from the Lord, uh, even as we were singing, Jesus, we love you. Uh, I just kept seeing these words, like, Jesus, it's, it's only about you. Jesus, it's you, it's you. It's only about Jesus. And this message, it's, it's titled Questions of Devotion. And I just felt the Lord of, like, no, no, no. All these things that we're supposed to devote ourselves to, it's about devotion to me and me only. You guys, it's devotion to Jesus. And I was just struck about how often... We, we get so distracted and so confused about the world around us, but so much of it is solved by complete and utter devotion to Jesus and Jesus only. That, that, that's it. That's what it comes down to. And there's this, uh, this song that has just been ministering to my heart by uh, Alyssa Smith. Uh, she's a worship pastor at Upper Room, and I hear we're, we're kind of, some crackly cracklies. We don't want to hear that the rest of the time. Here we go. That's better. All right. Now we can, we can bear with it. But it's this song called Catch Me by Alyssa Smith. And I think sometimes when we want to be devoted to Jesus and only Jesus, it's scary. Like we start looking different than the world and we get, we get set apart and things look look different. And I just want to read this song and, and literally on the car ride here, I just, the presence of God hit me and I just was crying. And, and this, is, this is so often our fear about just being devoted to Jesus. This is our fear and, and she embodies it in these words. This is what it says. And what if the doors all close and lock and I find out I chased a mirage wondering if I even heard you at all. And what if the cost is high to pay, and I'd rather you take the cup away? I second guess if the choice I made was worth it. But what if heaven is cheering me on? David's pleading, sing your song. Mary's shouting, waste it all. He's worth it. Guys, Jesus is worth it. It's just devotion to Jesus. If we get one thing and we walk away, it's devotion to Jesus. And I'm not saying that I've been the perfect example of it. But if we were all just fully devoted followers of Jesus, the world would change. The book of Acts, we're in this series, and, and the book of Acts, it's just followers of Jesus, and not just followers of Jesus, but those that are completely and utter devoted to Jesus, completely. They are so devoted to Jesus that the world is, is confused, they're, they're astounded, and, and, and they're like, what, what are these people doing? And so... We're going to be reading through the book of, of Acts. So if you'll, you'll pull out your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2.
And we're in this series right now called Mission of God. And, and what we're doing is we're exploring the after of the resurrection. It's all about Jesus, right? It's the after of the resurrection. And the book of Acts actually changed my life. Like changed my life where uh, several years ago I was reading through the book of Acts while I was on a mission trip. And what happened is I started seeing the things that I was reading about in this book. Like I would actually turn to it and then I would walk out on the streets and I would see these things. I'm not saying I saw everything. But all of a sudden I realized that this faith, this Jesus is actually worth giving my life all the way to because it's real. Like this is, this is actually, like God is moving. He's on a mission in the world and we get to actually partner with him. I was reading through my journal from, from several uh, years ago and I just took a journal of, of what everything happened. And this is what happened as I was reading the book of Acts. On, on February 20, I think it was 28th, February 28th of 2018. I'm reading through, and we, we went out and we shared the gospel, and we saw someone come to the Lord. Uh, one of my friends, she led two people to Christ, and at this point, we were, in, we were overseas in South Africa, and she led two people to the Lord that were actually training to be witch doctors. And so now they're following Jesus, and they're walking in relationship with Jesus. The day after, on, on, on March March 1st, I'm, I'm reading through, and we see another person give their life over to Christ. In fact, this is my first personal experience where being uh, actually speaking out in tongues. And it was this, this crazy experience. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't seeking it out. I wasn't like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, go after this. I was just interceding as someone was sharing about Jesus. And I was so struck, so empowered by the Holy Spirit that things came out of me that I didn't recognize. And I'll be honest, it scared me. And so I kind of shut my mouth and I'm like, what was that? You know, but I'm off on my own, so I'm kind of in my own little prayer time with the Lord, like, what is going on? Why is this happening? And I realized that there is authority that the Spirit of God has given us for us to walk out in the world. And we get to walk out in that authority. And, and, and Randy so beautifully painted that picture that the Holy Spirit came. And that the Holy Spirit came and, and, and he sent in Acts 1, and, and we're kind of picking up from from here, but giving a little context, we'll be turning to Acts 2, 42 through 47. But before, this is kind of what has happened. Peter, he's, he's addressed the crowd. He's, he's, he's kind of talked to them. He's, he's giving a message. And then the people hear this, and it says that they're actually cut to the heart. This, uh, this kind of language of, of cut to the heart, it just means that they were, they were, they were troubled, they were like, I, 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 I don't know what to do with myself anymore. I'm cut to the heart. What, what do we do? They literally cry out in verse 37. They say, what shall we do? And, and Peter replies, here's what you do. You, rep you repent. And you need to get baptized in the name of Jesus. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And people were astounded. They were amazed. They gave their life to Christ. And then that day, 3,000 people entered the kingdom of God. 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. And so that's kind of where we're picking up as we read in, in verse 42 through 47. Before I read, I just want to pray, God, we just invite you here. We know you are, we are moving according to, to what, where you would have us move. And God, we, just, we are expectant to meet you. So, Lord, let the words out of my mouth not be my words, but let them be yours. Let us meet you in a new way today. Let us see this snapshot of, of the early church and, and what they were devoted to so that we can even walk out in our lives. What are we supposed to be devoted to? Because the world says so many things. Politics say so many things. Social media says so many things. And we just are confused. Where, where do we put our devotion to? And, and Jesus, it's you and it's you alone. So bring us back to utter devotion to you and no one else. Let us walk out being devoted to you, ready to give you our lives because you are worth it. You're worth our everything. You're worth our all. So Jesus, would you just meet us here today? In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll read from, from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is what it reads. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what this is, is this is a snapshot of the early church. We see, so all of a sudden a ton of people give their life to Christ. And this is what is happening in in the world, in the early church. So if you walked in, you would see these things. And this message is, is entitled Questions of Devotion. Because we see here that, that the disciples, the, the early believers, they were devoted to certain things. They had given their life to these things. They'll say that, that this is what they did. This is what we would see. Now, it's important for us to realize that just because these are what the early church was devoted to, that doesn't mean that, that we're not going to be in, in church in this day or not going to be devoted to, to other things. But here's what I will say. If we actually devoted ourselves to these things as the disciples did, as the early church did, I would say that we'd be doing pretty well. Like the church in America, the church around the world would be doing pretty well. And so don't hear this as this is what you must do, but hear this as a chance of, well, why, why, why not try? Like why not go for it? Why not see, because the early church was, was so successful. In one day, 3,000 were coming to Jesus, and, and just thousands on thousands, the gospel of Jesus spread around the world so quickly. And I would say that they were pretty successful. Andy Stanley, uh, a pastor in, in Georgia, he has this quote, which I love. He says, marry the mission, but date the method. Now, if, if the mission of God is what we're about, you know, Randy kind of said the mission of God in the book of Acts was the proclamation of Jesus and the continuation of his ministry of redemption and renewal. So let's marry that, all right? Let, let's, let's, marry, let's put a ring on it, right? Let, let's say this is what we're going to stick to. Now, the methods might change. The disciplines might change. How we get there might change. Over time, methods evolve depending on the culture that we're in. The methods that, that Easterners must use to reach people for the name of Jesus is going to be different than methods that Westerners use. And that's okay, but if we marry the mission of God, we're going to further the kingdom of God. And so what this is, it's all about devotion, now, if we're going to focus on this word of devotion, it's important that we realize kind of what it, what it means or, or understand a little bit. So we're going to nerd out, as you know I like to do. So it's, and I'm not going to get super Greek heavy. So just for anyone to know, the New Testament was written primarily in Greek, also some Aramaic, but primarily in Greek. Acts was written by uh, Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote it in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. So we're going to do some, some kind of learning in, in the language of Greek. Specifically, it, it's kind of this word devotion is pulled from two different stems, two different words. The first word comes from this Greek uh, kind of stem, pros. So P-R-O-S, pros. And what this means is it just means motion towards. All right, it means motion towards. It means to literally move towards a goal or a destination, so we're moving towards something. And then this other stem that the word devotion comes from, kind of the latter half, means to persevere. It means to endure. It means be steadfast or be patient. The original Greek actually says that they were continually devoting them, themselves to these things. Continually. That means they didn't just one time check a card and say, hey, I'm going to devote myself to this. Or I'm going to show up one time for prayer. Or, Man, I'll, I'll share a meal with my friends one, once a year. No, they said they were continually devoting themselves. Or if we, we look at these different descriptions, they were moving towards steadfastly. Or they were, they were moving towards these things patiently. In fact, they were continuing to endure towards these things. Sometimes devotions are hard. They're difficult. It requires discipline. 
In devotions, we often look as something we do, right? We, we've heard it like, hey, did you do your, do your devotions today? Or we see, you know, the girl on Instagram that is posting the most devoted devotional ever devoted. You know what I mean? Like that, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, okay, you did your devotions. We're proud of you. Thank you. If you post on Instagram, you're dev- that is great. That is okay. But devotions are more than just something we do or read in the morning. It's more than just the devotional book that we have. Because when we look at devotions, it's just simply something we do. We surrender the power that allows them to help us become who we are. Like devotions are meant to, they're they're towards something. They're meant not just to be a part of a checklist, but rather is, is something that actually helps us become who we are in Jesus Christ. And so the early church, they devoted themselves to these things. They didn't just do them. It just wasn't a checklist. They actually gave everything they were to these things. There's this famous quote that that many of us have heard. You know, show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. Devotion is the same way. Show me your calendar and I'll show you what you're devoted to. In fact, show me your calendar, and I'll show you what you're not devoted to. And I'm speaking to myself as well. Essentially, Acts 2, 42 through 47, it's, it's, it's essentially, it's the Google calendar of the early church. Like, we saw what they were doing. And I, I love this, this, this calendar idea, but I think this kind of even articulates it better. Because it puts, puts a sense of urgency on it, our life experience will equal what we give our attention to, whether by intention or default. I'll say that again and just let that sink in. Our life experience will equal what we give our attention to, whether by intention or default. So, what are you giving your attention to? Where are you spending your time? What's your Google Calendar say? Or if you don't use Google Calendar, whatever, if you're still using paper, good for you. What does your, your paper calendar say? What are you giving your time to? What are you giving your attention to? And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a look at what the early church, what the early believers devoted themselves to. So this is them. Number one, they devoted themselves to teaching. The early church, the early believers, they devoted themselves to teaching. In fact, here in the translation I read, it was the apostles' teaching. Now, what that means is the apostles were were walking around with Jesus. And so at this point, the New Testament had not been been written. And so they were communicating, they were teaching the experiences that they had had with Jesus. And so they were speaking with authority because they had actually walked with him. And so the apostles' teachings, uh, we don't have the apostles hanging around anymore, but we do have the New Testament, which is the apostles still hanging around. This is them telling us, hey, hey, here's here's what happened. Here's how to live. Here's Jesus' life, and here's what he did. And so these teachings, they tell us the truth about about Jesus, about who he is. You know, we see even here in Acts 2, Peter is addressing the crowd. Early believers, they they placed a high priority on the teaching of the word of God. It, It was high priority. In fact, later when, when pressure kind of came, it was placed on the apostles to oversee the distribution of basically a, a welfare program. They said, hey, it actually wouldn't be reasonable for us to, to go and do that. We need to, to focus on the word of God. So they ended up choosing several different men for that task. And they gave themselves over to prayer and ministry of furthering the word of God. In fact, this word teaching is where we get our word doctrine from you know we've heard the word if we've grown up in church but doctrine is essentially a a a centrally held belief 
held often by a religious organization or a church or, or uh, whatever it is. It's a, it's a centered kind of thought process that they have. This is doctrine. And so they were, they were worried about it. They, they cared about teaching. In fact, uh, teaching is, is so important, but sometimes we get in the way. Sometimes we, we get nervous because we read this and we open it up and we say this is, it kind of says some things that might offend some people, right? It might actually might push people away to bring them closer to God, but initially on read through, it's, it can be kind of scary. And so several weeks ago, probably four, five, six week, weeks ago, uh, my small group, we were walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. And we were reading 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and chapter 6. Which, if you know anything about uh, these chapters, it's talking on incest and it's talking on sexual immorality. So we're like, we're really going there. But we, we're kind of just walking through the entire book. So we're walking through it. And there was one uh, woman who, it was her first time at small group. And so she came in. And I'm thinking in my head, like, whoa, we're about to be reading these things. Welcome to our group, you know, like. I'm so sorry if we scare you away. And I felt in my spirit something that, that Randy has actually said to me before, which is God protects hearts. You are not the protector of someone's heart. It's, it's, it's the Lord, right? And so I felt in my spirit, my first inclination was to go up and just, just so you know, we don't always talk about incest. Like, just so you know, we're not always talking about, se- like, sexual immorality. But... I felt the Lord say, hey, I'm going to actually protect her heart. You don't need to say anything. And so we kept, we're just walking through, we're talking, and the whole time I'm kind of getting nervous. Like, I, I'm, we, might, we might never see her back. And she was actually brought by a friend. And she tells her friend later that night, she said, I was so thankful for your small group. That was the most challenge that I have been in a small group in almost three years. And she walked away and she was like, that was just what I needed. Now imagine if I would have gone up and I said, just so you know, like I just want to preface, I, I, I want to be careful. So we have to be careful. We can't get in the way of teaching. God is the protector of people's hearts. We speak truth and we do it in love. But when we do it, we get to just, we get to say what, what the word of God says and that's okay. And so that's an example in my own life that I wanted to protect I wanted to, to protect the teaching, but I didn't have to. God did it, did it for me. So the question with this, how often are we devoted to the word of God? Are you actually devoted to teaching, to the word of God, to scripture? The early church devoted themselves to it, and I believe that, that we should as well. We're, we're called to be devoted to the word. Another thing that the early church devoted themselves to was to. It was to fellowship. And I think what's interesting is it says that they were devoted, they had devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. Or that, that teaching word, doctrine. So they were, they were devoted themselves to doctrine and to fellowship. They knew that they weren't meant to figure out doctrine alone. They were actually supposed to do it in community, with those around you. In fact, during our, our group, we, we brought things up and we'll say, hey, th- this doesn't quite make sense. What do you guys think? And then we just hear all these different perspectives come in and we walk out with a greater understanding of the word of God. And how beautiful that, that we are able to come into community and walk out with a greater understanding. And here's what I'll say is that I would actually say that you're seeking out doctrine or teaching alone if you only seek out those that understand the teaching the same as you. Like we need to be with other people who don't quite, you know, see it our way. And this word fellowship, you know, as, as we, we press in, this word fellowship, it, it comes from this word that means to hold something in common. So they, they held these, these things in common. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, it says a participation, or they held this in common in the body and blood of Christ. 
So as I'm kind of diving in, I, I, I believe that here's what they had in common. They were followers of Jesus. They followed Jesus. That's what they had in common. And they were committed to one another in fellowship because they were followers of Jesus. You know, a, a relationship is only as strong as its toughest conversation. If you never actually put fellowship to test and you never say, hey, yeah, we have this in common. We both like bowling. But all of a sudden you go outside of the bowling alley and you don't know what to talk about anymore. Or maybe you have an opinion that is different from someone else's opinion, but rather than actually seeking them and saying, I want to seek to understand where you're coming from in love, not to prove my own opinion, not to prove myself, but just to say, hey, I I just want to get it. And all of a sudden a tough conversation happens. If you maintain in fellowship after that, your relationship is now stronger. And so we need to have conversations with people that, that don't always sound like the same way as us, don't always look the same as us, and just sit down and just say, hey, let, let's just talk about things. And in fellowship, we're, we're called to, to be in community with one another. And I'll tell you what, if you're actually committed to fellowship, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Things are going to come up. Opinions are going to rise up. But if you're willing to have those tough conversations, a relationship is only as strong as its toughest conversation. And you will see that relationship strengthen. You will see what it looks like to actually walk in biblical fellowship, walking with one another. So I ask the question, how often are we devoted to true biblical fellowship? I'm not just saying hang out. You know, go to church an hour and a half where we're sitting in a seat. But I mean fellowship where we're doing life together. We're actually holding something in common. We're, we're meeting together. How often are we devoted to true biblical fellowship? And three, the, the next thing that the early church was devoted to was to the breaking of bread. To the breaking of bread. Now, we don't know if this necessarily means they ate ordinary food or, or if it was the Lord's Supper. There's, there's a lot of different kind of back and forth on this. But here's what we do know. We know that in this time that this was written, that the, the Lord's Supper was actually a meal. It was more than just a cracker and a sip of juice. So this time it was actually a meal that they par, partook in. And so what we can conclude that the early church, the early believers, that they shared meals together. Like they, they actually ate with one another. They ate at a table with one another. You know, eating at a table is something that is, is far gone in this society. In fact, a recent study that I, I saw shows that the average meal time about 60 years ago was about an hour and a half. And now presently, it's down to just 12 minutes. Yeah, we are flying. And it's going to hurt and all the things. You can't swim after. It's not good. It's down to 12 minutes. The value of eating together is something the early church devoted themselves to. And I I personally, I'm thankful for a family that devoted to, to eating meals with one another. They, they, we would sit down at a table and as, as a family and we would just eat meals and we would connect on our day with, you know, how was your day? What were you doing? In fact, here's a little freebie. Uh, one thing that we would do and my mom would have us do was she would pick one of the children that would be the, the chef for the meal. And then the rest of the siblings were the sous chefs. And so we would get the, the meal together, and we were so excited. We'd get all the, uh, you know, whatever groceries we needed, and all the siblings were like, all right, you need to chop this. And we were just in charge, and we were so excited about it. And so it was a genius way with four kids for uh, four free meals that my mom didn't have to cook, right? So take that. Credit to my mom who's here. That's a great idea. And so you can give credit to her. Um, And so, but I'm thankful for a family that prioritized that because I was able to sit down and connect. And now in my current life, it is a a value that I hold dear that I want to sit down and connect on a meal with someone else. And now that's not to say that that if you sit down and and you don't have meals, like, you know, you're in a busy season. That doesn't mean that you can't connect. Like you can still have moments of connection without it. But what we see 
here as a snapshot, as the early church did it, and their community flourished. Breaking bread and, and sitting around a table, it requires sacrifice of time. It's difficult. We, we have to actually commit our time to say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the grocery and get this food and sit down and let's do it together. And God meets our sacrifice. Like when we, when we sacrifice our time, he says, I'm going to actually honor this. And he's going to meet it. And we're going to have further connection. And so I ask, if, if you think that, that you felt disconnected or you feel like, man, I lack, I lack community or I, I don't really feel like anyone knows me or, or, or sees me. I think we can honestly ask this question, how devoted am I to breaking bread with others? Like sit down and let's, let's have a meal. How often are you at a, at a table sharing a meal with someone else? Those conversations that happen as you're eating are so beautiful. And I think some of my favorite memories in connection with my friends has been either me having them over, them having me over, and us just sitting down and just breaking bread together. Connection will come. Another thing that the early church devoted themselves to was to prayer. At this point in, in history, it, it technically would have been the prayers, you know, but they, they prayed with one another. Something is unlocked when we pray with one another. And I don't mean just like my aunt fell and, and we're going to, like, can we put up a prayer request for her knee, which that is great. Like, let's pray for those things. But I mean actually praying as a group, going to the heart of God together and saying, I am going to seek the face of God in a group of people. We're going to come together and say, God, what do you want us to do with this? Or, or what would you have us say in this situation? You can try different ways of, of prayer. And what I have found so often, it literally happened this morning with some students. What I found is so beautiful is you come together as a group and pray of the threads that the Lord actually brings together. Now, if you're praying on your own, that, that, is, that is beautiful, that, that is great, and he might speak to you, and you speak to him, whatever it is. But when you're in a group, I found so often that there's these beautiful threads that, that the Lord will kind of bring together. And someone will be praying, and they'll be like, wow, you just started praying that? I literally was just thinking that. And, oh my gosh, you've been focusing on that Bible verse? I've been focusing on that. Or, oh my gosh, you're struggling with being, being frustrated? I'm struggling with being frustrated. Or, I've been so tired all week. What about you? And six people go, oh, I've been exhausted. And all of a sudden, we come together, and we pray, and we seek God together. And there's this beautiful unification as a unit, just like the early church, as we devote ourselves to prayer together. So if you feel you know, that, that you're not getting deep with others. Or even if you're in a small group and you feel like, man, we're just really not, we're not quite getting there. We're not quite hitting the mark. We walk away and, and I, I just, I don't know. Ask this question, how devoted am I to praying with others? How often are we praying in community? How often are we praying in, in small groups? How often are we, we praying with, with two or three? It says, you know, where two or three are gathered, there the Lord is. No wonder he shows up so powerfully when we pray together. And then as we continue in the verse, we, we see they were devoted to these four things. And then it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Like they, they, were, they were astounded. They couldn't help but worship. They were standing in awe. They were saying, God, you are so worthy because you just healed this person's back. Or you are so worthy because you answered that prayer. And here's what I'll encourage you. If you're praying and you're taking prayer requests, actually ask if God answered them. Like go and say, hey, did God answer that prayer? And if not, pray again. Like we need to bring them to one another, focus on prayer together, and it's going to just erupt in worship. It will erupt in wonder. And then it, it led the disciples to live, not just the disciples, but the early church. 3,000 people at this point were looking at maybe more. And all of a sudden, it says they sold property and, and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. So they started living these just abundantly generous life. Like, what if we took this actually as it was and said, and it said that we sold and gave possessions to anyone who had need? 
what if we did it? That was the early church. They lived a, a generous life, and Adam next week is going to talk on that, what it looks like in, in, in the book of Acts as they lived this generous life a couple chapters later. And then it continues. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So uh, we actually know this of the early church. They met both in the temple courts. So they met in like church. They met like this. And they also met in small groups. They met house to house. In Acts, let's see here, Acts 5. At the end of Acts 5, it, it says, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So there was a both and to the early church. They met both in, in small groups and they met house to house. Now, if we took this as a prescription for how we are to live life, we would see there is value both in the Sunday morning gathering, but there's also value in meeting home to home with other believers. The early church did it. I believe we are too as well. And we see the Lord adding to their number, people giving their life over to Christ. They're growing, they're furthering the mission of God. And I think what happens so often is, is we get caught up on this idea of discipleship. Now hear me, that we are called to make disciples. It says in, in, in Matthew 25, we are called to go and make disciples of all nations. Discipleship doesn't have to look just vertical, but it can look horizontal. It can be in a community. It can be house to house. And here's what's interesting. Disciple is actually plural every single time it's used in the, in the New Testament, except one time. And that one time is when Peter was denying Christ. So disciple is plural. And the word is used in the New Testament over 260 times. Discipleship is communal by nature. It's meant to be done with other people. And I believe house-to-house -house gatherings or small groups or transforming groups or, or groups just getting together in a group of people together, it, it causes life change with one another. It's the perfect place to go after the Lord together. Now, that doesn't mean it is always going to be perfect. But it means like we are called, we are meant to meet together in community. Now, if you've been involved in church life for, you know, any amount of time, you might say this. You say, Ian, okay, so you listed these four things. You said, you know, teaching the word. Yeah, I, I read scripture. Fellowship, okay, yeah, like I got a group. You say breaking your bread, like, yeah, I eat meals. Like me and my family, we eat meals every night or prayer. And you say, yeah, I, I pray in a group together. And you say, man, I've, I've, I've done all of those things, but I still don't feel like I belong. And maybe you actually would say, I still feel alone. We're just getting out of a season with COVID, of a season of, of people being so lonely, so isolated, and how natural that so many people would feel alone. But maybe you would say that even before the pandemic and say, Ian, I did all those things, and you're saying this is the solution, and it's not, it didn't work for me. I still felt alone. And here's the reason why I think so many people fall into that crutch, is many seek distraction, but few seek community. Many seek distraction, but few seek community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book uh, on, on community, he actually says that the Christian community is not a spiritual sanitarium. Like it's, it's not meant for people to, to go and just, you know, just seek out all of these things. And what I've found so often that we are meant to go towards community, not away from something else. Now, we might leave something to go towards a God-centered, a biblically-centered, a Jesus-centered community, but we're not meant just to leave something. We're meant to go towards something. And so often what we do is when we're seeking community, what we're doing is we're actually trying to seek distraction from loneliness. We're not going for community for what it offers or how we can meet God in community, but we actually go towards it because say, hey, I just want to be distracted from this for a couple hours a week. I'll go to church, distraction. I'll go to my group, distraction. 
But what we never do is we, we never actually give it over to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, what would you actually have for me in this group of people, in this community that I can go towards, not just to be distracted from, but that I can actually learn from? What if we went to every conversation that we had with people and we just said, hey, what can you teach me? I just want to learn from you. And we had a teachable spirit. And we went into each group setting where we say, I'm ready to meet the Lord and, and actually understand how you meet the Lord and grow together. And all of a sudden, we're not leaving something. We're going towards something. And I think there's many reasons that, that people do not seek community. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's just hard. Let's, like, let's be honest. It's weird to go into a group of new people that you don't know and say, hey, I would love for you to be my friend. How about it? Or maybe you've been hurt in the past. You had a group, you had a small group, and it just, like, maybe things got a little weird, or, or you were hurt, or someone said something, or maybe did something, or, or you were just hurt, and you said, no, 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 I don't want anything to do with that. Maybe you even feel that way with the church, and you're here today watching online or in person, and you say, man, the church has hurt me. And, and here's what I want to tell you. We are called to go towards something, not away from it. Maybe in your group there's the, the guy that talks too much or, or the one who needs to, to wear deodorant or, or said something under their breath or, you know, whatever it is. And, and you're, you're like a turtle and you just go back inside your shell. You're like, nope, I, I, I've done this before and I can't. But if love is quick to forgive but we hold on to grudges for years, even decades, In fact, I, b I believe that the reason the world sees the church so broken is because we haven't actually got down Jesus' command that he says, we will know that you're a disciple by how you love. Like the world will actually know that we're a disciple of Jesus by how we love one another. And if we are just so quick to say, all right, you said that thing and I'm out. You did that thing and I'm out. I don't want to seek this. I'm, I, I'm going to go back in my shell, stay, stay home or, or whatever it is. The world sees that and say, oh, well, that's the picture of love. That's the picture of, 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 of Jesus' love that they always talk about. And then they get a wrong picture of what it actually looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. We take offense so quickly and then we stay lonely. And I feel as I was even praying that someone here is actually going to be delivered of a spirit of loneliness today. That we are actually going to be able to submit to the Lord and say, okay, I, I am, I'm giving this over to you. I, no longer will I feel lonely. I, I personally, I, there's been times in my life that I've been in a group of people. I think what's so interesting about loneliness is even if you're in a group of people, some of your closest friends, you can be with 12, 15, 40 people. It doesn't matter. And you can still, still feel so, so alone. When I was... Uh, Actually, it was the same, I'm putting this all together, it was the same month that I'd kind of journaled out those things when I saw the book of Acts coming alive. And I, I found myself just feeling really, really alone. And I'm traveling with 40 other people who, who love the Lord and love me and I love them. And I thought we were this, you know, tight-knit community. And I just felt this heaviness, this, this like oppression of, of, of just feeling so alone by myself. And, and I didn't know what to do with it. And I sat in it for a couple weeks. And I had never felt that alone before, but I was with people constantly. I was with them all the time. I'm like, why am I feeling alone? And yet I'm seeing people so, so often. And I just felt the Lord even invite me like, you are to call it out. You're just supposed to speak it out and just say, hey, I feel really alone. And so what I did, we were all together in a room and I think we were praying or something. And I just got up and I said, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to share that I feel really alone right now. I feel like it's just me. And then I felt the Lord invite me to have those who also felt alone to raise their hands. And you'll never, in a group of 43 people, all missionaries, love the Lord, love Jesus, about three quarters of the room raised their hands and said, hey, I feel alone too. And all of a sudden we're like, wait, you feel alone? I feel alone. And there was this connection and we called it out and we brought what was in the darkness to the light. And all of a sudden Jesus had authority and power to say, hey, you're not actually alone. That was a lie that you were believing. Look around you. These other people, they were also feeling it and experiencing it. So I believe today that, that someone is going to actually be delivered of a spirit of loneliness. John Ortberg, 
this author, he says this, and I think so important when we call out, hey, I'm feeling alone, or whatever it is, he says, we tend to wear masks and manage our faces. The irony of masks, although we wear them to have people think well of us, they're only drawn to us when we take them off. So here's my encouragement. Let's take our masks off. Ironic, right? Yeah, I know. Not these masks. But let's take our our metaphorical mask that we put on. There's that word. And let's devote ourselves to community, to, to what the early church did. Like devote ourselves to these things. And I understand that this message, it was very just like, okay, this is what the early church did. But I believe that the Lord is actually highlighting one of those things that we are to devote ourselves to in the coming weeks. Like all of these devotions, it's important to realize that they are empowered by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. On the day, like Jesus left and he said, wait, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and these devotions are, are actually empowered by this Holy Spirit. Human zeal won't do it. Saying like on the checklist, it won't do it. Saying, hey, I just really want, I, I really want this. Let, let's go for it. Let's do this. But that's not going to cut it. The power of the Holy Spirit, that is what we need to be inspired to as we devote ourselves to these things. And so I want to ask you, of these four devotions, which one of these does God want you to devote yourself to? Is it number one, the word? Is it two, is it to fellowship? Is it saying, hey, I just need to get out. I need to be with people. Is it three, is it the breaking of bread? Or four, is it to prayer? And I encourage you, pick one. Pick one and say, hey, hey, hey God, I wanna devote myself to this inspired by you. I wanna seek your face in this way and just see what'll happen. Just see, take the chance. What, what will happen? Or, or maybe today, and I'll go ahead and invite the ministry team up and, and band, you can, you can come up. If you're on the ministry team, you can co- come forward and we're gonna have some people just get a chance to pray for you. Maybe you have felt so lonely and you just need to be delivered of a lonely spirit. You know, Mother Teresa, she said that loneliness is the leprosy of the Western world. And maybe you just need to put it out there and just say to someone on the ministry team or, or myself or someone who came and say, hey, I just feel so lonely. And let them pray for you and bring it out into the light. Be delivered. Maybe if you're watching on, online right now and you've been asking yourself this question, I don't, I don't know if I, I should quite come back to the temple course or come back to the church. I encourage you, come back. I'm not asking anyone to do what they're not comfortable with, but I believe the Lord is inviting us into another step today. Or maybe you say, hey, I felt alone in my walk with the Lord for the past four years, five years, one year, whatever it is. And you're like, I don't know what to do. Here's maybe your next step is, is just join a group. We meet, you know, in, in house to house. Some of us meet here at the church and we just meet in small groups and we'll talk about, you know, scripture, we'll devote ourselves to prayer to these things. And maybe you say, I just need community. I just need to get plugged in. And I encourage you, join a group, especially now coming out of COVID where we're not meant to live alone. There's a next step for you. Like what if our church, Indy Vineyard Church was truly, a Jenna, one of our students said this during a testimony on Youth Sunday, I think this past August, she said, the youth group is like a family of belonging. What if us as a church, we were a family of belonging? That whoever came knew that they would come here and they would feel seen, they would feel loved, they would feel known. And I believe that a way to actually solve that is, is to come to, to house-to-house gatherings, go to small groups, get plugged in. You can go on our website and you can see what, what groups are, are meeting. This is my encouragement. Check one out. Meet the Lord. You, you can meet the Lord in community together. So as I, as I kind of close, Heather, our children's pastor, she has a, a word that she had this morning that she just wants to share as we go into ministry time. 
So this morning I heard the Lord say, the advancement of the kingdom and the pouring out of the spirit happens in the in the fullness in the context of family. And then there were some just some parts of um, Acts 2 that he kept highlighting. They were gathered together, sons and daughters. They were together and had all things in common, and they were devoted to each other and breaking bread. If family has been a word that's been a source of pain for you, today is a day of freedom. Today is the day to let the Holy Spirit heal your heart, reach out, get into community, and then stay and be a family. And I felt like the Lord was saying, what I am doing on the earth is family. My revival will come in many ways and in many directions, and one of them will be through family. Family was my idea. So if that word resonates with you and you're like, man, I really need prayer for that, or if you feel like, man, I just feel alone or or you wanna devote yourselves wholly to one of these four devotions, I encourage you, come up to the ministry team, get prayer, come to me. A little exhortation, just as our, our, our small group uh, pastor is, we have a, a sign up starting up here at the beginning of May, and that's signing up for our summer semester, which begins on, on June 6th, and that is the perfect time to get plugged in to a group. Or if you're interested and you say, man, I wanna, I wanna start one, whatever it is, let, just get plugged in. Come up to me, talk to me, I wanna get you plugged in. Go to our, our website, find community. Don't just seek distraction, find community. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you now. We ask that you would deliver those who are experiencing a spirit of loneliness right now. Those that are feeling a tug on their heart to get prayer, God, we just, we ready ourselves for what you want to do and what you are doing and what you have been doing and what you'll continue to do. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you now. Yeah. It's only devotion to you, Jesus. It's just about you, Jesus. It's only you, Jesus. you forward to receive prayer, return to your neighbor, whatever it is, just take a couple of minutes in the Lord's presence, whatever he's doing, it could be prayer for anything physical, emotional, I just invite you. 